0: Good morning, church. What a blessing it is to uh, gather together in the presence of the Lord this morning in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Many of you probably heard also this week that Pastor Charles Stanley passed away, passed on to his eternal home in heaven. I know many of you, um, as well as myself, have been blessed by his ministry through the years. And uh, his son, Andy Stanley, is now a pastor as well. But uh, I think Pastor T.D. Jake said it well this week when he said this. He said, without question, there are people waiting for Charles Stanley in heaven who are there because of his ministry. And uh, that was well said. And hopefully that can be said of all of us uh, as well someday when we arrive there. This morning, we're starting something that I hope to do a little bit more of in the future. And that is to take a person or character in the Bible and learn more about their life, their ministry, their example, and maybe how we too today can apply some of those lessons and examples to our lives uh, even today. And, uh, you know, with various people in the Bible that we could look at, there are a lot of good things, but there are also some bad decisions that there are made in there. And so it's always good for us to think about those and uh, as a way to avoid them in our life. And so we're looking at the life of David these next two Sundays. I'm trying to cover 500 years of uh, Anabaptist Mennonite history over in the Christian education class and trying to, cut, uh, trying to cover David's life in two Sundays. So um, I don't know, maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew in both of those cases, but... Uh, we will see if we can at least get a grasp on David's life and some of the lessons that we can learn from him. So let's turn together in the Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. First and 2 Samuel is where much of <clears throat> the story of David takes place. While you're finding that, I ran across a funny social media meme this week Instead of sharing a funny stories sometimes, I think I might share some of these memes that I run across because some of them make me laugh and are just uh, pretty creative. Anyway, this one this week that I saw said this These two atoms were eating at a restaurant, and suddenly one says to another, I've just lost my electrons. Are you sure? asked the other. Yes, replied the first atom, I'm positive. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) All right, the life of David, part one. Here, um, over these past uh, six months or so, I have been reading different biographies and novels, even, about the life of David. And uh, while I've always said that the life of Joseph in the Old Testament is really my favorite uh, story I think the life of David is one that is very important for us as how it relates to the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because in Matthew, the first chapter, David, of course, is a key part of that genealogy of Jesus. And today's message is titled, The Traveling Shepherd, which is really what David's life is like in these early years of tending sheep for his dad— and he's also trying to hide from King Saul. We're going to get there in a bit. But it all begins as the prophet Samuel is told by the Lord to go to Jesse in Bethlehem. And the reason was because the Lord has chosen one of his sons to become the next king of Israel. So let's read verses 1 through 13 of First Samuel 16 to see how this unfolds. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say... Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went to Ramah. There are so many ways, really, that we could describe David. You know, who he was, what he did, the the gifts and the talents that God had blessed him with. And I'd like to just start all of this by naming some of those things. He was a shepherd. We just heard that. I think we know that. He was a poet. He wrote songs. He played the harp and the lyre. He was a musician. He was a warrior. He was a leader. He was a king of Israel. But as I said, most importantly, in all of that, he was an ancestor of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God said that David was a man after his own heart. But David also had his faults. You know, he he made some mistakes, and he allowed temptation and sin to become a part of his story as well. We're going to get into more of that next Sunday. Um, But those are the things that make David human, you know, just like the rest of us. And it also gives us lessons that we can learn from his life. We're going to touch on some of those things today, as I said, and then next Sunday, I hope you'll be here, we'll, we'll complete uh, the story of David. But as it begins here in this 16th chapter, he's out in the field. He's, you know, 8 to 12 years old maybe. He's minding his own business. And he's basically doing what his dad told him to do, go out and watch over the sheep, uh, the family's herd of, of sheep. When I was in Israel 10 years ago, I still saw some shepherds who were out in the fields watching their their sheep. And so um, this maybe is you know not as common in today's world as it was back in the days of David, but it is still happening and still does happen in the Middle East. I took these two pictures when I was there 10 years ago as an example of that. There's some goats and other things mixed in there. I think we're going to need Andy's help on that one. That doesn't sound like a sheep bad to me. (laughs) That was an interesting sound, I will say that. (laughs) Who knows how the closing sounds are. But anyway, there are some modern shepherds today in the Middle East. Um, And some of them, as you can see in that picture, are still close to the age of David, that David would have been in this passage. But as David watches the sheep, he gets this call to come and to meet with Samuel. And it says in verse 12 that he was glowing with health and he had a fine appearance and he was handsome. He had handsome features. So as soon as he walks in, the Lord says to Samuel, he says, rise and anoint him because this is the one that I have chosen. So Samuel does that. And in verse 13, of course, it said, from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David was now anointed the future king of Israel. Except there's one problem. King Saul was still the king of Israel, and he was not excited at all about this newly anointed king in David. And really, the story of Saul plays into this greatly, into the life of David. You know, the people of Israel, the reason they had Saul as their king, they wanted an earthly king like the other nations around them had, and so the Lord allowed them to do as they desired. Um, even though the Lord had led them all those years uh, and been with them. So the Lord allows them to anoint Saul as the first king of Israel. And that happened in 1 Samuel 9. But as time goes on, Saul does a lot of things he shouldn't have. He, he makes a lot of bad decisions, and, and eventually he begins to fall out of favor with the Lord and even with the people that he is leading in Israel. He disobeyed God. Uh, Really, his leadership abilities did not really match the expectations, you know, that were created by the way he looked. So it kind of goes along with the whole thing of David being a boy and not really looking the part. You know, Saul looked the part, but then he didn't really play the part. He was impulsive, he was jealous, and all of those things lead to this big, long standoff between him and David over the course of a long period of years as David begins to get older. But before we get to that standoff, there's another very important story that happened. Perhaps you all have heard of it before. It involves the younger David and this large Philistine giant named Goliath. The Philistine army was always looking uh, to attack Israel and to attack King Saul's army. And on one occasion, they they put this uh, nine-foot giant named Goliath on the front lines, and they challenged any of the Israeli side to come out and to fight him. Well, no one dared until David was asked to go and deliver some food items to his brothers out on the front line. And he heard the taunts of Goliath. And from that, we have the story of David and Goliath. And uh, Larry Kaufman is going to come up, and if you would, Larry, and read a portion of that story for us from 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 to 50.
1: David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver, deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This every day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole herd will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle of the Lord's and he will give you, all of you into our hands. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle, line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out his stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank to his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand, and struck down the Philistine and killed him.
0: Thank you, Larry. This is a picture of where that happened. And when I took this picture, I also brought back uh, some stones or rocks from this area where the Valley of Elah was located as a reminder of what happened there close to 3,000 years ago. And uh, this is one of the stones that I brought back, but most likely uh, biblical scholars think that the stone that David probably used had to be about three inches by six inches, a larger stone than this. But uh, I'm not quite as ambitious as Larry Yoder because I hear that when he was over there, he brought back a lot bigger rocks than this. Is that right, Larry? Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't quite up for that challenge, so I, I, went with a, I went with a smaller rock. There is an earlier story as well about David killing a lion that was attacking his sheep with a stone. And so... You see, that stone and that sling are a very important part of this story. But I think more importantly, sometimes we get caught up in the whole story of David and Goliath. I think more importantly, we need to think about the courage, the faith, and really David's trust that the same God that helped him when he faced that lion to save his sheep herd in the wilderness would also be the God to help him in this situation as well. Now, of course, that story, if you really look into it and all that, it is, it's pretty violent, and it's amazing how sometimes it's become a, a children's story because uh, it does have some uh, challenging, violent things in that. But um, it's a reminder, a metaphor reminder for us that we can face the giant challenges of life with a God that promises to see us through those challenges. Max Lucado, some years ago, wrote a book, and it was titled, Facing Your Giants, God Still Does the Impossible. And I love what the description of that that book says. It says this. It says, like David, you know well the presence of Goliath. Your Goliath doesn't carry a sword He brandishes blades of unemployment, abandonment, or depression. Your giant doesn't parade up and down ancient hills. He prances through your office, your bedroom, your classroom. He brings bills you can't pay, addictions you can't resist, a past you can't shake, and a future you can't face. And then it says this, David gives us this reminder If you focus on giants, you will stumble. If you focus on God, your giants tumble. That same God who helped David will help you. I couldn't have said it any better than myself. So what giant or giants are you facing in your life these days? And... When you, know, when you face those big life problems and those challenges, remember how God's helped you in the past. Ask him to give you the strength you need for what that challenge and that giant is today that you are facing. Use the skills like David did. Use the skills the Lord has blessed you with to move forward and to place your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior. You see, today we have Jesus to see us through and to help us through those things as well. As it is in life, though, you know, one problem seems to follow another. We overcome one, and then it seems like we're just looking in the face of another. After David defeated Goliath, in the years that followed, King Saul became even more fearful of Samuel's next anointed king. As David got older, Saul began to actively pursue David in an effort to kill him and keep him from inheriting his throne. That pursuit went on for many years and found David hiding in caves and moving all about Israel just to stay alive. It's interesting, though. David found a friend And a close ally, and one of the most least likely of people. It was Saul's son, Jonathan. And over the time, over that time, Jonathan actually helped David by giving him some inside information about what his father was up to or trying. And he even gave him assistance sometimes in trying to avoid the pursuit of his father. There's there's too much ground to cover this this Sunday and next and what happened during all of those years. There's a lot more in the Bible, and I encourage you, uh, if you read the rest of 1 Samuel, you can see how all of that played out. But some scholars believe that that whole saga between Saul and David could have lasted anywhere from four to eight years. And, you know, we... We do know that it is in uh, 2 Samuel 5, it says that David became the king of Israel at the age of 30. And so, most likely, it was during his 20s that David was, uh, that all of that was, was taking place. And the patience, the, the stamina that David had during those years is just really remarkable if you read that whole story. I mean, remember, Samuel anointed him the next king of Israel at the age of maybe 10 or so. And it wasn't until the age of 30 that it actually became a reality. And so, you know, most of those years between were not easy years for David. He was a shepherd on the run. A shepherd traveling to the far ends of the country in order to stay alive. You can see some of the some of the journeys during those years there. Um, but here is another remarkable thing about that. David showed an incredible amount of respect, obedience, and honor towards God and even towards King Saul during those years. He had many opportunities to take Saul out and just to end all of that. Even some of his closest commanders during that whole time encouraged him to do that. Just take Saul out. He's right there. Just end this. And that leads to our next passage this morning. David and his men are staying in the far reaches of one of their caves when Saul and his men come walking by, and uh, Dory is going to come and read 1 Samuel 24, 1 through 7 for us. And as she reads this, listen to what David says to his, his men.
2: After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines he was told David is in the desert of Engedi so Saul took 3000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats He came to the sheep pens along the way a cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself David and his men were far back in the cave the men said this is the this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Thank you, Dory.
0: The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing. The character and the integrity of David there is is really just unreal. You know, Saul was right there, and yet he would not take him out because he was the Lord's anointed king at that time few verses after that Saul left the cave and he must have been some distance away but David calls out and he shows him the piece of Saul's robe that he had cut off while Saul was sleeping just to show Saul that he was right there and he could have he could have done that that close call and others during that 10 year or so period shows the respect that David had for God and for the Lord's sovereignty over the Israelite people. Instead of taking things into his own hands, he relied and trusted in God to move within his will and within his timing. And that's another great lesson for us today. How often do we lack the patience and the perseverance to let things develop in God's timing instead of our own. If you you watch the video that I shared on on Facebook page and sent out in the email this past week, you see there how many of the Psalms were written by David throughout all of these things that, that he experienced. You can sense his loyalty and his trust in God. But, you know, in many of those psalms, you can also sense the frustration he has at times. Or sometimes his impatience does come through. I mean, he was very human, just like all of us. And he says, how long, O Lord? Another place he says, why is this happening, Lord? What are you trying to show me here, Lord? Another psalm says. I mean, you know, David had so many of those same feelings that we have in life. But he remained obedient to God, even in all of his questions, in all of his ponderings, in all of his waitings. He remained obedient to God. And as we think about all of this that happened to him, you know, we think of Psalm 23. We heard that in the the video earlier, but we know it so well. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He guides me and even walks with me through the darkest valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then after all those times of waiting and asking how long, it's in Psalm 34 that David writes this. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. The lesson for us here is that patience and perseverance and faithfulness are a very important part of building our faith and our trust In the Lord. That person or that thing that you have prayed over or prayed for for years and it still has not come to pass, David would say, Keep praying, keep the faith. This is why Jesus in the New Testament told the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18 she kept going back to the judge over and over until the judge finally answered her request. And in Luke 18.1, it says this, Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We hear so many of those prayers and petitions through the poetry of David in the Psalms. It's like he, you know, it's like he's telling us over and over, God hears you and in his time you will see him move. Sometimes it might be in a different way than what we had prayed for or, or maybe even hoped for, but God will never leave us or lead us astray. And so the lesson there is, you know, if you're tempted to, to th- take things into your own hands, and to to deal with things on your own. Think about David and this incredible story from the cave. Entrust it to God, give it time, and ask the Lord to handle it. In the New Testament, Jesus brought us the new covenant with his birth, sacrifice, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. But as he ascended... Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be our guide and our comforter and our source of strength in this life. Jesus promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. And that remains true to this day. The same God that was there for David is still here today for you and I. We can sing for joy. Because our God is with us and his love is a strong and mighty fortress for us in this life. We're going to sing that song this morning uh, as we're dismissed. But to end this first part of David's life, I'd like to share a psalm of David that gives testimony to that truth. It's Psalm 105 verses 1 through 8. This is what David says. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob, he is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your name be praised. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We worship you today, Lord, with reverence and and awe because of who you are. We are blessed that you call us your people. Help us, Lord, to love you and worship Jesus, with all of our heart, soul, and mind, help us to love other people unconditionally in the way that you love us. Help us to think about the challenges we've seen in David's life today. Help us to think about how we can face those challenges today in our own lives. Pray, Lord, that we might have patience and trust and perseverance. All of those things that build up our faith when those difficult times in life stare us down and are in our face. I pray, Lord, that we could lean on the psalms that David wrote. Many of them give us encouragement to press on and to, to keep on even in the midst of the questions and and the waiting that we go through. Lord, be with us as we go forth from this place today. We pray that you would just Bless each one here, each one watching online. Uh, May we lean on you and trust in you in all that this life has for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen.